Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, do you want to give us a honk? Welcome to episode 5 of Excuse the Mess. We're halfway through series 1 now, and the guest this time is Mark Lockhart, a British saxophonist and composer. His career spans many a decade, and he's been at the forefront of the British jazz scene, playing with the likes of Loose Tubes, Billy Jenkins, and Kenny Wheeler, to name a few, as well as crossing over into places where genre is harder to define, like his work with Polar Bear, uh, which, by the way, is being played underneath a track called Be Free. He also ventures into the world of contemporary classical from time to time, particularly his work with the composer Mark Anthony Turnage. In recent days, Mark has been writing and recording a new album, Brave World, a full orchestral jazz album that features a number of leading jazz musicians Mark has forged relationships with over the years. We talk about a number of these great projects and the albums he's written, and how the experience of being in Polar Bear has shaped the way that he approaches music, as well as other influences. Excuse the Mess is gratefully supported by Noted Fellowship, Arts Council England and PRS Foundation. So we had a great day chatting and creating a new piece together. We hope that you enjoy checking it out. Remember to subscribe to keep up with more episodes and to tell your musicy friends all about Excuse the Mess. Mark kicks us off by telling us a little bit more about Brave World, which will be released later this year. I mean, it was something I, I, I kind of wanted to do for a while. I was, I was hearing, because I've always written for larger scale things, you know, I've written big band music, and and my first album that I ever did was a kind of 12-piece band, which yeah. was a bit economically a bit silly. I should have just done a quarter <laughs> album like everyone else. Yeah. But I had, a, I had a kind of big band, and then I had to tour it, you know. So I've, I've always loved orchestration and colours and, and lots of people. So, yeah, I've been thinking about it for a while and then about two and a half years ago I started to fiddle around with a few ideas and just start almost start arranging very small ideas before I had okay. lots of thematic music. So you were sort of working out what the sound of it could be in yeah. a smaller... I think the sound thing. world was important, yeah. Um, and I didn't want it to be pastiche in any way. I didn't want it to be... I mean, I love lots and lots of music, like you. You know, I love kind of lush writing, and I love a- angular writing, and I love Gil Evans, and I love... But I didn't want to try and copy anyone. Was there, a, was, was there a concept behind it all? Or was it sort of you just had some stuff in your head that you just needed to get down? Yeah, no, um, there is a concept. It, it's, a, it's kind of about people really and about um human us human and our planet in a, in a very loose sense so there's some of the titles believers it's it's kind of about people who believe in fundamentalism and all that stuff which mm. i find very annoying and mm. upsetting brave world is just about our fragile world that seems to hold up and be very brave mm. and so there's kind of loose things. Yeah. Long, long way gone is a kind of that's about a African child soldier. Actually, there's a book called Long Way Gone. So I kind of read that, and it's an amazing story about this right. kid who's who's forced into a, you know a child soldier in Sierra Leone, and um, and he comes out of it eventually. 
it all works out for him. He moves to the States and, um, and he writes this book. So there's this kind of journey. And I, as I was mixing it with my mate the other day, he said, oh, this is very, very joyous, some of this music, you know, and, and I never really thought of it like that, but I thought, oh, actually, yeah, it probably is. I'm quite yeah, optimistic. I thought that. Did yeah. you? Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's nice. Because I'm pretty, you know, I like, I like life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and here's a little extract of Believers from Mark's upcoming album, Brave World. Now, long way gone. I mean, the other thing is, a lot of this is inspired and guided by the whole polar bear experience, even okay. though it might not seem that way listening to it. I mean, it obviously doesn't sound like polar bear, but from the very beginning of thinking about this, I wanted Seb. That's Seb Rochford. And Tom. Tom Herbert. Both were members of Polar Bear. To do their thing. Yeah. They have, they have an amazing way of pacing the something and playing on something and making it grow and not forcing it, you know. Were they involved in the writing of it or did you leave space for them to have a say once you got to the actual recording of it? They weren't involved in the writing, but I wanted Seb to come up with his own thing, so I didn't really write him any drum parts. I just gave him a bass part and said, yeah. these are the hits. <laughs> <laughs> I love what they do on it. and but I learnt a lot about music working in Polar Bay because we all saw music in kind of slightly different ways. Leaf Cutter was amazing, he doesn't read music but he has a whole kind of thing that is the way he hears music, it's wonderful, you know. Yeah, he's a brilliant contemporary composer and thinker. He is. He's so much amazing stuff for him and he's a brilliant improviser as yeah, well. Yeah, he's brilliant, yeah. yeah. You don't need necessarily that traditional no. background in any way. no. And I, I learned a lot when we were playing, and we would play for a long time sometimes, you know, we'd play tunes for a long time, especially towards the end, we'd have these very long mm. tunes that were very open, and we'd improvise, and just take it in kind of areas, you know. WW from Polar Bear's Mercury nominated album In Each and Every One. so many different phases you know every album really was a different thing but I mean all that came from Seb he had a kind of concept about each record and um, and often we didn't know how to approach it it took us a while to learn 
how to work together and, and approach the concept. And yeah. I remember on one occasion he said, this was after the second album or the third album, he said, I don't want any jazz language in the music. And we all kind of scratched our heads, especially <laughs> me, coming from a jazz background. What's yeah. he talking about? You know? <laughs> so how do you get around that? Yeah, but I mean, and it was a difficult thing because we, we were kind of playing jazz language. The first two records are quite jazzy. Mm. We soon realised what he meant. He didn't really want any jazz. He wanted pure improvisation, but he didn't want jazz kind of patterns or all that feel in it. He wanted something else. Going back to Brave World, I feel like that, that that's why I love the way Liam plays, is he doesn't do that. Liam being Liam Noble, a pianist that Mark has worked with over the years. I mean, he, he he's he'll play stuff from the tradition, so he's very into Monk and he's very into... Well, he's, he's into everyone. But he'll never put it together like that. He'll always change it and deconstruct that information in his own way. Mm. And that's that's what I try and do, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I love so many saxophone players. I've got thousands of records and CDs yeah. at home. Well, not thousands, but a thousand. Millions. Millions. Fine, trillion, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> you can come over and have yeah, a look at my trillion records. records. Yeah. But I've never been interested in... in playing it exactly like that there's, yeah. no, I don't, there's no point it's been done it's been done then you're never going to do it it's good yeah you know you might as well just try and do your own thing even yeah well actually that kind of brings me on to thinking about Ellington in Anticipation mm. which uh, was your album it's 2013 is that right is that one yeah yeah well a fantastic record and conceptually oh, like thanks, it's man. very clear and direct you know what Mm. You, what you're going to get. It must have been a rich pool of material to try and reimagine. Yeah, I mean, this, he's, he wrote thousands and thousands of pieces. And he was always writing. He was writing on the bus, yeah. on tour. He was, <laughs> you know, there's stories of him writing on hotel rooms and on a piece on napkins and things like that. You know, classic kind of jazz stories. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of material. It, I guess it was just trying to find tunes that, you, for one reason or another, I felt I could do an interpretation of. Did you find it a bit daunting in some ways to take on that project? Maybe there's some purists out there that might give you some hate for it. Yeah, well, I th- yeah, I did actually think that, yeah, and I think there are some purists out there who... <laughs> You're blacklisted. Yeah, I did think, oh, I hope I don't upset too many. I, need to, I mean, the, tr- yeah. the trouble with jazz music particularly in this country, is people get very almost religious about it. Yeah, yeah. For me, jazz has always been about experimenting and and, and I look at all the people that have been pioneers, they've all done that. Mm. So I don't know why they all get upset when you go to... Yeah. Yeah, who are they protecting it for, these people that are now dead but actually would be encouraging of all this stuff Mm. if they were alive? Mm. Um, well, exactly. I mean, Ellington was a radical. He experimented all the time, and he I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> tearing his music apart. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was really good fun, that project. And, again, Seb and Tom were very important to that. Mm. You know. That was the first thing I'd done with them out of Polar Bear. Again, those the grooves that Seb came up with were... All his, you know. Mm. There's uh, there's one which starts off with Seb grooving. Yeah. I think some bass clarinet. My um, caravan, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a fantastic feel, yeah. that, and, and the way it evolves. And that's called My Caravan because it's it's based on caravan, but very loosely. Yeah. And it doesn't the tune doesn't come in until the end. Yeah. And it's a quote, really, in the more than the tune.
like remixing. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is really like remixing. It's the same process, isn't it? I mean, I think arranging, it's interesting because, you know, people in jazz, people talk about arranging, but I think when arranging crosses over into remixing or recomposing. Yeah. It's composing again. I think it? yeah. it's really interesting, yeah, that. Yeah. It's like Gil Evans, that music, you know, like the Hendrix stuff, and um, and then the stuff that Gil did with you know, Paul Gimbess. You know, that's kind of recomposing. It's more than just arranging, isn't it, I Definitely. think? Definitely, yeah. Because he's got his own whole sound world. I did want to ask you about general influences and mm. um, yeah, which composers you like to steal from. Ellington, obviously, I love Django Bates's music. He was and still is a big influence. His mm. writing, I think, he's amazing. Um, I kind of like all kinds of, but you know, I like I like Frank Zappa. I like yes, big Zappa band. Yeah, I think the thing is, people say these things. You say what your influences, and then yeah. someone says, "Well, I don't hear any of that in it." Often you get inspired by the concepts more than the actual notes. Yeah. Or the, you know, you, so I love so many people. Kenny Wheeler, I love Radiohead's writing. I mean, with um, with orchestration, obviously the last couple of years I've, I've kind of listened with an ear open for a lot of things because of this piece yeah. that I'm writing. So I, I really like... Um, Turnage, I think yeah. he's. Yeah, I think he's a great orchestrator, and I like people like Klaus Ogerman, obviously Gil Evans. Um, I think Vince Mendoza is great. Maria Schneider is really good. Um, but I like Ellington. I like the starkness of Ellington because there's a mm. kind of thing. Ellington's music never never sounds kind of smooth. It always right. it's always got an edge. So there there's a concept that I love the fact that it's kind of it's always got an edge. You mentioned two things there, Radiohead and Mark Anthony Turnage. This is great because I get to possibly have another Radiohead track in another <laughs> podcast. The last one had four. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you played on Kid A, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, and you were on National Anthem, like, Just on one going track. for it. Yeah, all of us was, I think there's six of us, seven, seven horns on there, all blowing away. Did you get any notation for that? Because it sounds a bit like just no. walk in and do it. Yeah, no, we didn't. I mean, we went in and, and um, Tom York just had, he had that bass riff, you know, in mind. Which is baritone plays. And then he, he said he wanted it to sound a bit like Mingus because he really likes Mingus. Improvise kind of wildly, and, and they wanted us to stick out. So, at times, I can hear who everyone is. Right. Yeah. Get little bits, um, coincidentally reminds me of the way Ellington is. You know mm. that thing you listen to Ellington. They don't blend like a normal big band. You hear all the sounds yeah. sticking out of Johnny Hodges and Paul Gonzalez. Yeah, because they've all got distinct sounds. And and Mingus was like that, you know. And I think that's kind of what they wanted. Yeah. Oh, well, that's an interesting way to approach who you pick as well, which is clearly what you do. Yeah. Make sure you've got these strong identities. Strong identities, yeah. I don't. I think generic's out. Being yeah. generic is out in my book. Yeah, definitely. Strong identities. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just finishing that radio thing off, so we did that. We did the recording. Yeah. And then, I don't know, 
a few months later, we got a call and saying, would we do some gigs? Oh. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> what, on one number? <laughs> and the manager said, yeah, one number. And then he said, can you, do you want to go to New York? I said, you want, yeah. For one tune. <laughs> so we went to New York. We went to New York for a week. And, and Kid A had gone ballistic by this time. Okay. And they were yeah. really surprised. So it was yeah. like number one album in the States or something. Yeah. And we played on the first number of the gig. Okay. And that was yeah. it. <laughs> we just kind of hung out the rest of the time. Sick. Just briefly tell us about working with Mark Anthony Turnage. Oh, Turnage, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we. So I know him, I met him in Tunbridge Wells, I used to live in Tunbridge Wells, and okay. we used to go to the pub and get pissed. Great. <laughs> the first thing I did for him, he'd written a piece for a, a kind of small saxophone concerto. He'd written it for Joe Lovano, um, who's a great American sax player. And he said, Joe Lovano can't do it, would you be interested in playing it? And that was with the um, South Bank. Symphonietta. Right. So that was the first thing that I did. So I, I did all this practice on this piece and then played it, and it was really good. Really enjoyed it. And yeah, and we've always been kind of mates and talk a lot about music. And he works with another saxophone player a lot, who he's done masses with, mm. a guy called Martin Robinson, who's a very brilliant classical sax player. And uh, he said, and we were out having a pint one night. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm writing an opera and um, I'm going to write it for two saxes. So he did. So he wrote, he put two soprano saxophones in his opera. Yeah. Really prominent. Was that Anna Nicole? Yeah. yeah. So we did Anna Nicole at the yeah. Opera House. And uh, yeah, it was great. Really amazing yeah. experience. And, and I could remember sitting in the pit listening to all this incredible orchestration around me thinking, oh, this is great, you know. How does he do all this, you know? Yeah. And making little notes on my on my on a piece of paper about the bits that I really like. Okay, yeah. But he's a really interesting musician, I think, composer, mm. and he loves he loves jazz. Does doesn't he? Respects jazz. Works a lot with jazz musicians. He did a John Schofield project as yeah. well, didn't he? Yeah. So what do you find interesting or challenging about being in that setting? Instead of a jazz, more comfortable... For me personally, yeah. the biggest challenge I had was following the conductor. Because it's like a whole other thing. It's not where the beat... How how we hear the beat. How yeah. I feel the beat. I still can't work it out what happens. Yeah. So the baffling comes down and then they come in about half a second later. How <laughs> <It's like, laughs> does that work? I, yeah, I've never understood that. No, it was... I mean... It, it's like a mystery to me, really. Yeah. Let's party! A little extract for you here of Mark Anthony Turnage's 2011 opera, Anna Nicole. So, um, yeah, In Deep was a hit, wasn't it? In Deep, <laughs> it was a minor hit, yeah, as far as you can get in the hit, right? jazz world. In the jazz circles, they loved it. They did like it, yeah. yeah. Got, well received, mm. as they say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so In Deep is a quintet album. It was the first time that I'd worked with Liam and Jasper. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't played with them before, so, um, and I just phoned them up and said, do you, you know, do you want to do something? So we, we rehearsed a bit and did a couple of gigs, a gig at the 606, I think, and then somewhere else, the Vortex, and then we recorded yeah. the album. Um, and it just worked, you know, the kind of chemistry with everyone, and the 
drumming on it I love as well, Dave Smith. Mm. I'd never worked with him really, and he was amazing. You know, him and Jasper and Liam. Do you think that unfamiliarity and newness added something? Yeah, to I think it did. And the vibe in the studio was just really good. And it was it was a classic case. We had two days. First day, we didn't get anything done, really. Okay. Nothing that we were happy with, you know. <laughs> like that. It's funny, isn't it? It's the studio first day. Yeah, the yeah. difficult... and. The sound wasn't right, and we, so we kind of fiddled around, and, and so we didn't record anything really. We just recorded bits, and then a couple of th- attempts, but that we didn't really like. I didn't like. And then we came back the next day, and it all, we just played it all, the whole album in a day, basically. Wow. And, and um, I think it was, it was a classic case of not panicking, you know, and just realizing that that's sometimes the process. You just settle in mm. the first day we didn't get anything done but we settled in so that was vital yeah and then the second day it just all came together you know I mean to be honest that sounds like the perfect time to start panicking it's when half of your studio time has gone down yeah down I mean the drain. but maybe it's an important lesson yeah it's funny because Jasper always says that he brings that up sometimes and he said oh, I remember you you were so relaxed yeah. he said he said, I was, uh, I was very surprised how relaxed you were. I mean, you hadn't done anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd done enough things to realise that it sometimes works like that. You mm. know? If you're doing an hour of music, it wouldn't take that long to do an hour. You know, it's like a gig. Yeah, sure. If you do, get a if great can, gig. Yeah, so did you have some one-take wonders in there then? Yeah, oh, yeah, lots of one-take yeah. things. Um, not all of them, but... There is a real sort of... Uh, edgy raucous vibe on that yeah. album definitely yeah um, there is Yeah, some really beautiful moments and some really uh, things that kind of grab you shake you a bit it's quite hooligan some of it it's quite kind of full on jazz some yeah. of it the, certainly the, the first long track surfacing there's a fantastic piano solo on that where Liam's just kind of really going for it <laughs> And um, we we toured that after that, you know, we did quite a lot of gigs. And I was always planning to do another one of those, called In Deeper. <laughs> but it hasn't happened yet. Perfect. It will happen that, at some point. That should definitely happen, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't know what the one after <laughs> that would be. Too deep. Yeah, too deep. Yeah, too far. <laughs> too deep. <laughs> Just stop. That's yeah. kind of one of the most jazz albums I've done, I think, in a way in terms of pure jazz, you know, they're Mm. kind of playing like that. A track called Not In My Name from In Deep. The band was made up of Mark on saxes, Dave Prizman on trumpet, Liam Noble piano, Jasper Hoiby on bass and Dave Smith on drums.
And here's another band of marks, a trio with Jasper Hoyby and Liam Noble called Malija. This track is Hung Up. be different from a quartet or a trio with drums so yeah and it's been quite interesting working without drums because you have to generate a lot of the the grooves yourself and yeah it's i love that you know when i heard it at king's place i didn't mm. miss the drums right, in any yeah. way because everyone's such a groovy player mm. yeah Stomping. yeah yeah no, that's nice it comes across like that i mean i think some of the old old guard jazz yeah. promoters the old <laughs> What kind of band is that? They don't have drums. <laughs> <laughs> Promoters are fun, aren't they? So yeah, so you fight that a little bit, but I mean, you've been playing with Liam for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, lots of projects. Yeah. I wanted to ask you: Does he ever surprise you anymore? And do you ever surprise each other on stage? It's a good question. He always kind of surprises me in a way because he plays such unusual things. I think that's what makes him so special. I mean, there's lots of great pianist you know yeah but I think when he plays he he's so unpredictable musically and he'll have these he'll take it into a you know turn a corner and take it into a kind of area that yeah can be anywhere and I think he's stylistically so free you know he doesn't worry about playing in a certain style yeah so when you're feeding off each other he'll often push you somewhere unknown yeah maybe. I think we all do that yeah in that band a bit but he yeah he like sometimes he might go into a kind of crazy ragtime thing and then he might yeah. go into a bit of kind of Cecil Taylor and then he might do a kind of minimalist thing you know this mm. so and I love that I love that about the kind of musicians that I play with that you can go into these things yeah Yes, that's the the beauty of uh, a lot of improvised music, isn't it? That you can just be surprised, and if you're playing the same sets yeah. most nights, there's so much room for experimentation. Yeah, yeah. and that sort of thing. And with that it. tour, Malaysia, we had a lot of gigs. We had about twenty four gigs, and and it changed massively the music yeah. from the album because we did the album before we'd really done any gigs, and that was nice as well. The album has a kind of there's certain things that happen on the album that wouldn't have happened if we played it loads because we were approaching it for the first time. So you get a kind of magic in a way from that. Mm. But then there's the argument of doing a record after you've done tours, you know, because yeah. the music's played in. So there's a whole... It's interesting, all that. Yeah, I guess maybe the most basic argument would be it's fresh if it's yeah. recorded before you gig it by the end of, I don't know, a, a, a run of gigs. You're like... I don't want to play this music anymore. <laughs> you're yeah. And you're sick of each other. And you're sick of each other, get, exactly. Get the last thing here. you want to do is go into the studio for two days. <laughs> well, Kind of Blue was done without any gigs. Was it really? Yeah, or oh, without any go. rehearsals. Miles just got them together in the studio <laughs> and gave them these little scraps of paper. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But no, I think with someone like Liam, he's got... I get a bit bored with jazz when it feels like it's in a stylistic area and people are worried about playing in a certain way. I mean, I just find that wretched, really. Well, you're clearly of that mindset because your career's been like <laughs> yeah. all, over the, all place. over the place. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Another Malija track. Next, we'll be moving on to making our own music. Well, tranquil is often a more immediate result, isn't it? If yeah. you go down that road. Um, which could be nice, actually, like a saxophone-quiry like thing. Yeah. I mean, we could just try some long notes and just do a couple of tracks of that and then perhaps collide them, you know what I mean? Collide yeah. the notes. So what, like, sort of maybe like clouds of different... Yeah, exactly. ...clusters or something. Yeah, think of it like that. So Ooh. just kind of... That's exciting. Notes, and then a track of that, and then we could do another track of yeah. different notes. Yeah. And keep the vibe very kind of spacious and mm. tranquil. Like that. That would be brilliant. Let me try some angry things, some storm <laughs> So we're going to do, uh, yeah, weather report. Yeah, weather report, <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, then.
Yes. So do another track of that. Yeah. yeah, that felt really good. Nice sounding clouds. What about some kind of extreme kind of things? Some extreme mm-hmm. noises. God knows how all this is going to go together. <laughs> it's part of the fun. We're going to get there. Always, yeah. always do. Um, or we save the extreme stuff and we put this kind of a rhythmic thing on it. Yeah. So how about something like this? <laughs> repeat the line yeah it'd be good to have a line actually that just okay. does I'll, I'll start do that, to build It's great. It makes sense of all the other things in it's such got a, a vibe, isn't way. It? Yeah, we could start throwing in something a bit more uh, energetic, kind of like whispery, but yeah. with uh, energy and intention that's bubbling under the surface. Yeah. Lower, lowest, but soft. Almost like. So Mark laid down that idea, and here we are, just listening through and making a few production changes. What we could do on that bass line, boom, boom, boom. We could put an octave divider on it and have yeah. it a low, so it's yeah, definitely. could be quite interesting. Absolutely up for that. So it sounds more like a bass line. One of my favourite things to do, anyway. So let's do it. <laughs> Do you think we should 
choose one of those lines and loop it. So there's a. Do you feel like they're or, too inconsistent, or because this one might change the note, but it actually doesn't matter. Um, let's leave it for now. That. If it's just that one, it's kind of nice. Yeah. If you just like, hey, yeah. one. Yeah. Could go into something like that, couldn't it? Definitely. Can we just do that, could we? So here we start building like a B section based around this riff and also this accompanying percussion part using some key noises on the sax. But after all that, and as you'll discover in a minute, we decided to actually like ditch creating this second part, although we do bring back what Mark is playing here in this riff into the earlier section. Anyways, we went back to the beginning and discussed what else we could add into the piece. What about... Yeah. What about some... sounds, like some kind of crispy... Mm. Kind of... Yeah. Sounds. Like a mini drummer. Yeah. But if we... If we did them on the sax, would we be able? To, would you be able to change the sound of them, like yeah. brighten them up into kind of? <laughs> Definitely. If we did like loads of airy, flemmy, yeah, stuff. Do you reckon yeah. that's a good starting point for it? Yeah. Okay. I think that's a great idea. That's if I just do a, f a track of phlegm. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> do you need to eat anything it. beforehand? And then we can. Uh, <laughs> well, that's good. I've got my lunch to help me. Yeah. <laughs> Last one. So you're boiling soup. Boiling uh, soup. Uh, <laughs> cool. Right. That's about with that then. That's brilliant. But it might be nice just to bring that in as a kind of texture. Yeah. Time, Sound design time. So the phlegm track ended up sounding roughly like this. We then skipped right to the end again, taking this riff and tried to work it into the first section. Could it then like kind of slow down oh. as it leads into the next one? So to sing it. Uh, yeah. So let's try that. Them. Yeah. Let's try that. Um, and then when it comes in in full force, you're yeah. like, okay, we've got it.
a wacky suggestion. Finish the piece there. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it, fill it with more it works, ideas. It works beautifully, actually, like that. I reckon. Because we refine what we've got. There yeah. And don't go into another yeah. thing. Yeah, man. It's really exciting. With, I mean, I wonder if that little cascade at the beginning, mm. we could put some kind of delays on it and kind of... We're on the same page. Woo! Love that. Can I put a few more of those? All that was left to do really was to just go through all the material we had, stagger in some of the elements so it wasn't all happening at once, do a bit of a mix and that's it. So here it is. There you have it. Another episode, another piece in the bag. Loads of thanks to Mark for being the fifth guest on Excuse the Mess. 
What a great day. Uh, really great to hang out with him. Such a nice guy. And it was great to just delve into lots of different aspects of his brilliant career. Keep an eye out for his album, Brave World, coming out later this year on Edition Records. Uh, the best way to do that is following Mark on Twitter at mlockhartmusic on Facebook or his website, marklockhart.co.uk. And finally, a big, big thanks to you for listening to Excuse the Mess. If you're a returning listener, then double thanks. If this is your first listen, then I hope you liked it and I hope you come back for more. Get subscribed and follow ETM and all the usual social media places. See you next time. This is Peepers by Polar Bear. Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.